Digital marketing is amazing because you get to have immediate feedback on the marketing activities that you're doing. You're able to track and measure and monitor exactly what's happening. You're also able to control where your content or your ad is shown, who it's shown to, and all of the context around that ad. Everything is controlled. And so that's what I love about digital marketing. Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David List, a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPause Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, and leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. This episode is generously sponsored by AmeriVet Veterinary Partners. Better business, happier vets, healthier pets. Find Amerivet Veterinary Partners at www.amerivet.com. We are so excited to have our super smart guest today. We have Brandon Brashears, the creator of Veterinary Marketing Podcast here with us today. Thank you so much, Brandon, for stopping by. We are super yeah, excited to chat on, with Brandon. you. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be on here. Relatively new for us. I feel like your experience, but... Um, Still, Same, nonetheless, yeah. <laughs> hanging out with the newbies. <laughs> Maybe you can give us some pointers here. You guys are really, you have it everything together, so I'm really impressed with you. <laughs> so. Oh, thank you. Hey, pat on the back. High five, David. So, Brandon, without having to read your bio, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? I don't know you. Uh, I know David has um, briefly met you before, but I, I am in the dark here. So tell me who you are and how you got to be with us today. Yeah, so my name is Brandon, and I am the host of the Veterinary Marketing Podcast, I also have a group on Facebook called Veterinary Marketing Nerds. I help veterinary practices with marketing. Specifically, I do paid advertising is kind of my favorite thing. So running ads on things like Google, Facebook, other ad networks too. LinkedIn is is really starting to creep in a lot, especially for recruiting stuff um, that a lot of people are trying to recruit. So LinkedIn's a good spot. We're running ads a lot for, for practices on LinkedIn as well. But I love helping veterinary hospitals learn how to use digital marketing and specifically paid advertising to grow their practice and try to attract the perfect clients into their practice. And so I've been uh, doing that now, doing digital marketing now for about 12 years. Um, I've started the veterinary marketing podcast almost seven years ago um, in June. And so been in the veterinary industry now for a long time. And that is kind of in a nutshell what I do. And I absolutely love it. So, how did you pick veterinary medicine? Like, what brought you to our crazy planet? Yeah. So, my I had a, a good friend whose name was whose whose name is Brian McRae. Um, he started a company called Rethink Veterinary Solutions, and they were selling software. And so, yeah, I totally know Brian. You guys are buds. Yes. Awesome. He's moving back. Yeah, he is moving back. Yes, sweet. So, when he started Rethink, um, he was initially started out kind of. Um, with doing software and re- loyalty programs for just any kind of business. And his mother-in-law, um, who's a practice manager, and she's... Yes, my best friend, D. D, exactly. She's amazing. She is amazing. It was, we were using Rethink for her practice, and it was going really, really well. And so I said, hey, Brian, we should try to market this to veterinary hospitals as a solution for that. And he said, totally, let's make this... Sp- you know, special specialized towards veterinary hospitals. Um, and so then we started marketing towards veterinary hospitals. And um, in helping him, which was, this was about maybe eight and a half or nine years ago now, um, in helping him to kind of reach out to veterinary hospitals, 
and work with veterinary hospitals, we found that I found that veterinary hospitals were just really far behind in marketing compared to everybody else. And I mean, you are so kind because really far behind does not begin to describe where we are. Well, <laughs> we are in the stone ages. <laughs> funny story. We had to actually, we had a practice who wanted to use our software at the time. And then they didn't have a computer in the practice and internet. Oh my gosh. We bought a Google Chromebook and we mailed it to them. And then they had a computer so they could use the software. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? <laughs> this so industry could use some, they could use some marketing help. So I decided to start the podcast. Initially, I thought that I, I really wasn't sure if anybody was even going to listen. It was pretty new for podcasting and, and stuff, but there's been a great community and a lot of really cool people that I've got to meet from this. And so it just has been amazing ever since. And so I kind of focused more on helping practices grow. And, you know, since um, Brian has definitely um you know moved on to like other really cool things and stuff and so me and brian are still really good friends um but i don't do any more work for for rethink right now but uh maybe someday in the future here but that's how i got started cool i told you brandon was good people yeah right he knows all the right people <laughs> totally totally brandon if you had or have a favorite uh book a podcast a ce a class a conference um, something that you said, like this changed my life or man, this was like, everybody should read this in business. Do you have something specific, a platform or something that le left a lasting effect on you? Yeah, I, I think that um, the first marketing book I ever read was a marketing book called Permission Marketing by Seth Godin. And it was probably back in 2004 or so that I read it. And it completely changed the way that I looked at marketing, direct response marketing and branding. Seth is like, oh my God, yeah, he is right. amazing. If you've never, if you come up across him, Andrew, oh, yeah. oh, he's the, sure. he wears the bow tie, he's got the yep. glasses. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Yes. He's a cool dude. I've, I've listened to a couple webinars and you're right, Brandon. He thinks about marketing in, totally in like different. that kind of left brain right. way, like not just, you know, waving a sign out and putting an ad in the <laughs> yeah, yellow pages. Right. <laughs> Definitely. And I like that because it is a good kind of mix for what I do. I consider myself a direct response marketer. And so you always have to fight like the urge to overdo it. You know what I mean? Because with internet marketing and direct response digital marketing, you can really overstep if you're not careful, I think. I really like Seth's philosophy on marketing. And so I'm really glad and, and I'm thankful that that was the first kind of introduction into marketing that I had because he was really thoughtful about the way he approached it. I love his books. Um, he recently wrote a, a really good one called This Is Marketing. And it is just full of amazing content. And, just fantastic. That is very cool. I think we talked a little bit about kind of why you picked marketing, but Brandon, what is your thought on what marketing actually is? I asked this with a little bit of tongue in cheek, right? Because I think if it's the same with any specialty. I mean, if you say you're a veterinary manager, somebody thinks you do something and it's really completely the opposite, right? When I think of marketing, I think of a puppy promo. I think of having an ad in the yellow pages, like I said, or the penny saver, putting out the pop-up banner that says free nail trims for new clients. I know that it's more than that, but I would love if you could kind of give us your summary and, and, and your high-level thoughts on what is marketing as a business tool, as a business specialty. Yeah, uh, marketing in general, I think is, I mean, it's, it's everything that you do in your practice because, you know, running ads or creating attention for a specific product or service, if you have good business systems and if you run your practice well, good advertising and marketing together will help you to grow your business, but it's not going to be a magic wand that's just going to fix every problem that your practice has. I think from like a large standpoint and looking at running your practice, marketing is every single thing that you do, every part of your practice. What marketing does is it creates, I think, the right kinds of clients in your practice. It helps to establish what your brand is and how you show your practice to the world. And then also it is, I think, really important in terms of what your practice culture is and how you display that to the world. So it's a lot larger than just creating an ad. So you're saying that there's no easy button then. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. If you have a practice that works well already, it, it's a lot easier. Yeah, that makes sense. If you were to say, to summarize, because I think that you said a, a lot of great stuff, a lot of great points, 
marketing is kind of who you are, but there seems there is an element that you mentioned, like if you have a crappy practice, you can really pay for a lot of marketing that is going to be show and people are not going to have a great experience and not want to come back. But if you if you really go internal, right, and start from the very core of your practice and work outward, then stuff like the yellow pages ad or the pop-up banner is like a technique, right? And But marketing is really who you are. And I think you mentioned it's your brand, which, gosh, how many veterinary practices would right, you say branding. have a brand? Like, I would say right. a good amount, but not 100%, maybe 70, 60, 70% like have a brand. The rest are just the mom and pop clinic with no, with no, I don't want to say a logo, right? But logo feel, you know, all of those, those touch points that, that clients grab. So that's great. Thanks, Brandon. That's, that's really interesting. Brandon, you mentioned something earlier when you said that you really specialize or your favorite thing was digital marketing. Tell me about that. Why do practices need to have digital marketing? Why do we need to run digital ads? Tell me about what that does for us. David had mentioned a couple times Yellow Pages ads, and I hope he doesn't ever mention those again because you right, should not exactly. be running Yellow Pages ads. No, no, I'm, I'm banned. I'm banned from saying that. <laughs> <laughs> because digital marketing is amazing because you get to have immediate feedback on the marketing activities that you're doing. You're able to track and measure and monitor exactly what's happening. You're also able to control where your content or your ad is shown, who it's shown to, and all of the context around that ad. Everything is controlled. And so that's what I love about digital marketing. I've done traditional marketing for other companies before when before I started digital marketing. I would do direct mail marketing for loan companies and real estate companies and things like that. And it's really costly. It takes a lot of time to get response back. The response is typically very small. And then it's really difficult to track exactly where this stuff is coming from when you get calls or visits. Back in the day, we were getting, just trying to get phone calls, right? And so with digital marketing, you, it's like turning on a faucet, specifically with paid ads. You can turn it on and off. You can control what hours you want it to show up at. You can control down to within a very tight radius, where they show up, who's seeing them, the demographics, how the ad looks, what people see and experience. And so that level of control gives you so much more data to use to make decisions on your marketing. And since most practices don't have a huge, you know, unlimited budget to be spending, if even if you have, you know, say 10 to $20 per day in ad spend, you could be generating a really good return and getting new clients in the door every single every single month so that you're growing your business. And with that too, you're able to really figure out who do we want coming in? What kind of things are we going to be promoting? And how are we going to show this promotion so that it matches our practice's brand? That way we can really only focus on the kinds of clients that we want coming in. Because I know a lot of practices are really, really busy right now. So there's probably a lot of people saying, well, you know what? I can't handle any more clients. I don't want any more clients. I mean, if you can choose better clients and you have less you know, headache clients and things like that, you're doing the kinds of procedures and services that you love doing, there's really no reason not to be attracting those people into your, into your practice. So you just said something really important that I want to reiterate, because this actually came up recently in an article by Meg Oliver, and she was uh, speaking about exactly what you just said, basically the, the kind of the bad clients, but also, you know, some of the, the freakouts that some practices are having about when they think about bringing clients back in the building. But you just said something that really struck me. You said that we can use marketing to get the clients that we want, and we can do the procedures that we want. And I think for the longest time, veterinary medicine has been, I open up a vet clinic and I'm for everybody, right? And that's not actually true of many, many businesses. I mean, Nike doesn't typically want uh, Adidas customers. Uh, you know, I'm sure they do want them, right? But, you know, a Nike is Nike and Adidas is Adidas and they have different brands and different people gravitate towards them. And Brandon, you just said you can use ads and target new people and actually create some attrition so that we're not dealing with the cruddy clients who don't listen to Dr. X and want to argue um, and get upset at everything. You can make a marketing campaign that says, here who we are. We do gold standard. That's really powerful. I think a lot of practices feel at the mercy of who comes in their doors because they don't have any way to brand themselves or say who they are. So that's amazing. Google, 
Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Pinterest, Nextdoor. There's all, I mean, there's more, right? There's so many more sites. Where do you run ads, Brandon? Which which are maybe your top two or three or even some emerging ones that veterinary practices should look like look at? You know, where do you run them? Why that thing? So why would you run a Facebook ad? Who are you getting? Why would you run a Google ad? Is YouTube the next thing for veterinary medicine? What do you think? I think it really depends on what it is that you're trying to do when it comes to what kind of products or services are we trying to promote. And that's always the the place that we start is what's the end goal? Because as you just mentioned, getting specific about who you want coming in the practice, that's really, really important. Not just opening the doors and saying, everybody come here, you know, we'll take anything from low cost vaccine clients to, you know, high end surgeries and, and things like that, because that's going to really, I think, number one, if you are being that general, it's just going to be so boring that nobody's going to be interested. And number two, if, if you can be more specific and create targeting and ads and the ad format that is right for the time, kind of person that you're trying to reach, you're going to really segment the different audiences and find those people who already believe what you believe in terms of and the quality of, of care that you're going to provide and what's important and what they value and things like that. So really starting at, at that point and figuring out what it is that we want, who do we want to be attracting, because this is something that you're going to be paying for and putting work into. So that's that's number one. And then based on that answer, there's really only two kinds of ad networks out there. And you mentioned you know Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Google, all of these different places, they either fall into one of two categories. And one is a behavior-based ad network, and the other is called a contextual ad network. So behavior, we're targeting people based on user behavior. So, for example, Google search is an example of that. Somebody goes in and they search for lymphoma treatments for dogs, just as an example. And that happens all the time. We have specialty cancer practices that are targeting lymphoma right Um, or if we're trying to say you know what we want to be targeting pet owners who treat their dogs like it's their child and they want to make sure to do tons of preventative care and we want to make sure that they're going to be people that are doing dentals and they're going to buy their dog food from us so that's like a demographic right we're targeting them based on who they are and they're all new clients these are all not existing clients correct correct this is for, I would say, ads for trying to attract new clients. It's really figuring out, are we targeting a type of person or are we targeting a specific service? So if it's a type of person, we're going to want to be targeting on a network like Facebook and Instagram, which are the same ad platform, or YouTube is a great place that's really underused. And then we use the ad platform's targeting options to, to try to find people there. But with that, we have to give them something to try to entice them to come in typically because they're they're on these platforms that they're spending time and you have attention there, but they have to have a reason to come in. If you are targeting people based on intent or somebody searching for like dog tooth extraction, they're already ready to spend and ready to come in. Exactly. So you're just saying, Hey, we're here coming, come and get the, the service. So those are the two things. If you're doing marketing that you're trying to retain and resell your current clients, then it's just really important that you find out where they're spending time and that you're on those places so that you can be engaging them. So I think that's when, you know, you have to decide, is it time for a practice to get on TikTok and start creating social content there? Probably because a lot of people use TikTok these days and it's a super popular platform. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Is TikTok doing paid ads, Brandon? They are, yes. They are. Wow. Yeah, right. Well, and, who wouldn't be, though, if that many people are going, you know, using it? Yeah. You made a great point, too, which I think is interesting that in order to do a lot of this, you, you either need to know your clients or, or kind of get to know your clients. And I think that's another thing. If I'm a veterinary manager, I have, you know, they come in for 20 minutes, their dog gets an exam, vaccines goes home. I have no idea what they do. But when you have a Facebook page and you see the people right. that have liked it and are yes. connecting with it, you can target them 
you know, you made a good point, Brandon, we talk about the marketing funnel, right? Like the different layers of it, and you were alluding to those. So you've got people who have, you know, have no idea they need vet care, you, you run something for that. You've got people who kind of want vet care and are looking for something nearby, you've got ads for that. And then you've got people who are current clients and, you know, maybe their dogs, you know, they, they go for, I don't know, you know, for their yearly exam and vaccines, but their dog starts itching. And then you've got stuff for that for them to say, oh, I can go back into the vet that I trust and like because my dog now has allergies and you happen to do an allergy ad or something. That It's, it's fascinating. Thank you. That's such expertise that I think probably a lot yeah. of our managers don't have with, good when they down, run their right. Facebook boost, right? <laughs> yeah. We try to throw that net out and see what happens, right? Definitely. And I think you mentioned something. If you're trying to educate people to get them to, to realize that they need to, to do something that they didn't even have kind of an idea about, it's a lot harder to convince somebody that they should do something than it is just to try to find people who already know and believe that they need that. I think that with with ads, generally speaking, if you don't have a huge budget, trying just to target the lowest hanging fruit of people who already believe that they're, like, for example, if you're, if you're trying to convince people that their dogs need to have regular dental work, for example, and there's a lot of education, and that could definitely be a, a funnel that would work and would take time to convert people. It's easier to go after people who already say, I, I need, I know my dog needs dental work, so I'm going to book this appointment with them. And I mean, you can do that on both the intent and behavior networks as well as contextual networks. Really figuring out what is it that, that makes these people tick and why are they actively you know doing things like why, why are certain groups of people always taking care of their pets dentals and some groups are just never going to do it so really figuring out those kind of things so that you're not trying to again go after the masses that are going to not really take ac- action and not be your ideal client right like that broadcasting net exactly yeah exactly Brandon, you have said a lot about different types of marketing and layers of marketing and funnels of marketing and and you know current clients and not current clients and different types. So clearly marketing is just more than ads, right? It just it boils down to like it is not just this easy button. It's not just this wide casting net. It's more than running campaigns for you know different things or, or like you know David said throughout the sign and you know have somebody on the side of the road holding up the sign says come in free pedicure for our new clients, right? So how would you describe marketing's value to the veterinary practice? I think that marketing, and especially with digital marketing and direct response marketing, it's a way to um, speak to your clients at scale, which is is pretty cool. So sales and marketing are often kind of put together. And the difference between sales and marketing is that marketing is scalable. And you can think of it as a way to segment and identify the right kinds of people who are going to want and not going to take convincing like sales does. So I've, I mean, I've worked at jobs where I had sales jobs where you had to call the prospects and sometimes people didn't want it, but you still had to call them. And that I think is not even remotely necessary. That's it's not even remotely necessary. There's tons of people out there that you can reach that absolutely want and need what you have. And so trying to get people to take action, you just shouldn't be wasting time in trying to sell anything. And I think that selling is kind of a bad word in the veterinary industry. And so that's one thing that is is good about marketing. Yeah, that's like the yellow pages. That's a no-no word. Exactly. So, you know. Yeah. Yes, none of that. None of that. So instead of trying to, to sell people things, you're just trying to give, give people ultimately what they want. And that's what marketing does, in, in my opinion. And good marketing is going to just improve your business. But on top of that, too, uh, you'll be able to grow your practice in a consistent way that's measurable and really gets you the results that you're looking for. And I think a lot of times people will say, you know what, we're doing really good right now. We're super busy or, you know, we've we've had great years. I don't think that we need to be paying for ads or or things like that. Mm -hmm. And my kind of response to that is, well, if you're going to wait until your practice slows down so much or, you know, the, the market changes, if you're just at the mercy of the market and whatever comes through the door, you're not really being proactive. And I know for mm-hmm. sure that large corporate groups and the companies that are owned by BCA and big Banfield hospitals, they're not hoping that the market just delivers them new clients. Right. right. They're not wishing, right. you know, on a wing and a prayer. 
Right. And again, you this phrase, you know, working on the practice versus in the practice, right? That's something that I know our managers struggle with there. You're so in it that you've got a client who's upset, you're trying to hire a CSR, you're working the front yourself, and you've got payroll due by, you know, Sunday at midnight. And that's working in the practice, but it's not working on it. And Brandon, it's, you know, echoes to something you said earlier about uh, basically this idea of, of growing the practice and growing it with new clients and having some attrition. I always think of profit as like money in the bank that you're ready to use like what we had last year in, in a time where there's a horrible recession or a co- you know pandemic and you have to put you can't put the same amount of money in the bank because inflation's going to erode it so you've got to put a little more money in the bank every year and I I know our practice managers on the on the podcast you know they do price increases and and they're managing all of that but you uh, you know you're going to have clients that are anywhere in the life cycle right they're going to pass away they're going to their dog's going to pass away they're not going to want another dog their kids are going to grow up etc cetera, etc cetera. so they're going to naturally attrition out and so you've got to have this new group of new clients that comes in. And that has to be not exactly a one for one, right? Because the average, you know, the amount of money a client spends over the lifetime is so much more and especially a repeat client than a new client. So you have to almost, as you all know, you got to move through those new clients a little faster because they're often a little skeptical right. and may not right. buy, you know, pay as may much. Not- So yeah, but I think with Brandon's techniques, right, you're going to go find those people that are going to seek out excellent veterinary care, right? Brandon, you've written, you know, you said, okay, I want to write an ad educational campaign for spring allergy, spring, spring, you know, allergy season is upon us. And so it's going to target new clients or to us, so people that have itchy dogs, as well as current clients who may have itchy dogs and all the stuff. So you've, you've written a little bit of copy, you're going to do this on Facebook, it's going to be, you know, maybe a paragraph of text, and a link to an article from, I don't know, AHA or something like that. And as we know, ads are not free. Facebook, I wish they gave us free free ads, but they don't, you know, where do you start? Like how much money do you put in uh, the bank? What's a good budget to start with? And I, I know this is a rabbit hole, but what would you say to practice managers who either maybe do a little bit of this already and just throw $2 up on the wall per, per day and, you know, try to make it stick? Or is there a way to scientifically figure out how much you allocate, right? Like if you're going to hire a tech, they often will tell you what they want and you say, okay, that's in the budget and you hire them. But with ads, it's like, do I spend $2 a day, $5 a day, $700 a day? Like how much, you know, where do you start? with and what's a good number? I think that this is a great question, but it is not, there's again, not a simple answer for it. I know that I've seen... No more easy buttons. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen industry experts, and that's like usually accounting people, talk about budgeting um, in terms of usually about 3% of your revenue should be allocated towards advertising as a general rule, but I really have no kind of additional help for you on that like i think it's as much as you can possibly do that makes sense to make sure that you're not you know overspending and things digital marketing should be an investment where you get a return and that ultimately is important because if you're just spending money to do things like boost posts you're going to get more engagement you're going to get more views on your content but you're probably not going to be able to tell if it's actually working or not and i think what david just mentioned is a perfect example of of almost always what happens when it comes to doing facebook ads so if i asked most practices if they have done facebook ads they'd say absolutely Uh, but then if i said okay what was your return almost nobody would know and so for example let's say you're linking out to an allergy uh, resource article. You're taking traffic that that is your practice traffic and you're sending it somewhere that's definitely great because it's educational, but there's no direct call to action to actually buy something. And so when somebody says, well, what's my return on investment for this ad? The first question is, did you sell anything? Because we have to make revenue to create a return. So number one, we gave away the opportunity to create a return because we sent the traffic somewhere else. And so there was no way for that person to actually do something. If we're expecting people to read an article, get educated on allergies, and then call us because they realized, you know what, my dog has these issues, so I'm going to be proactive and I'm going to call the, the practice, the likelihood of that happening is... Yeah, slim to none, slim right? Slim to none, for sure. Yeah. So I think a better type of ad in that example would be to video, make a quick video of the doctor and say, okay, really quick, a patient or a client has this question, what do you think about allergies and what can be done? And then it's the doctor educating. And then the call to action is, if you would like to see how your pet can make sure that they don't have allergies during this allergy season, book an appointment right now. 
And then when you post mm-hmm. and boost that, we're able to see how many appointments did we actually generate from this post. Mm-hmm. And then what would the return be based on that? Ah, so reverse engineer it a little bit. So, you yeah. know, so so put it together, put it out there, maybe start with something so it's seen. And then let's say the ad generates... I don't know, in a month period, I don't know, let's call it 10 appointments at, I don't know, an average ticket of, I don't know, 100 bucks, right? So it made this much, and that was with a $5 per day spend. So theoretically, right, I want to do 20 appointments the next month, you could either double your daily spend or go up higher on the daily spend, right? And that's how you kind of, like, it's a little bit more fine tuning that it is about, oh, $5 a day is going to absolutely get you X. Is that about right? Yeah, that's that's usually about right. And with Facebook, there's so much content that you're boosting and posting that there's not necessarily the same. It's not always direct response. With Google and and places where you're targeting people who are looking for something, you can, I think, more easily determine what your number of clients that are coming in. And it's still difficult because there's always the disconnect from the online activity to meeting in person. So we're just trying to, I think, generally mm-hmm. speaking, for most practices, if you're tracking where your clients are coming from, and then you're tracking how many new clients you have each month and where they say they found you, that yeah. is going to be a way that you're going to be able to relatively know, okay, you know, we're spending, let's say, $5 a day on Facebook. We normally mm-hmm. have 30 new clients a month. This month we had 37. And more, majority of those new clients said that they saw us on Facebook. Is that probably working? Mm-hmm. It probably is mm-hmm. working great. And they've spent 150 yeah. bucks, and we probably got around new, seven new clients. That's going to be a huge return on your, yeah. your marketing. gotcha. You've got the ad up, like you mentioned. So we've got a video of uh, that's awesome of an interview, and you've got it up there, and you threw up, you know, five bucks a day. What are some other KPIs to look at, and then how do you also quantify the ROI? Would you would you literally just look at I spent five bucks and and got a return of eighty dollars on a visit? Is that like the ROI, or is there other ways to to kind of? quantify what you're getting back from what you've spent. And as you said, I think it's a great point for all of our listeners. I just want to hit this home. It's not an expense, it's an investment. So the expense, like $5, should pay on a multiple, right? So $5 a day. So what is that? Five times six. So $30 a week, let's say it gets you two appointments at 80 bucks. That's 160. That's a multiple, right? $30 got you 160. I just want to point that out because I think that's a good point to make. So that's a really good question. I think with each platform, you have just a little bit different KPIs that you should be tracking. And if you, it, I think it really depends on just how much you're spending per day in a practice. Because you, you can get extremely, extremely detailed and you can add things like call rail and call tracking where you're measuring every single call that comes in. It labels it by source. And then you can go through and you can listen to the conversations and see what happened and then you'll be able to attribute every single click to a person that came in. But you mentioned that there's so much other stuff to do, right? Are you going to actually have the manager of the practice sit through and listen to all the phone calls and go through and label data? So if you're doing less than, I would say, probably less than $1,000 a month in in ad spend, you're probably not going to want to get that granular with the details. You're just going to want to know generally if it's working or not, because you you should see new clients and you should see positive numbers in terms of revenue in the practice from these things. So when we're looking at kind of larger picture with Facebook and Instagram and things like that, we're going to want to make sure that the clicks are, are actively happening, that the conversions are being measured with Facebook pixels. And so that we can see, at least on the front end, to up to the point of having to get in touch with the practice, what's happening. I would say checking and and monitoring what your number of clicks are per week, how many of those are turning into either phone calls or form fills on your website, and then what your average cost per click is. If you can know generally what those things are, you're going to be able to measure performance week over week and see if an ad is doing well or if it's starting to maybe taper off in performance and you should switch it into a new ad or some kind of new offer or something like that. With, With Google, you really have kind of three KPIs that you're looking at. You want to make sure that your ads have good search quality. So you want to go through search terms, make sure your search terms are really good. You're not getting things like affordable or low cost vet services near me. You know, make sure that you're actually getting the right searches. Then you want to make sure you're getting them at the right times a day in the right locations. And so we're again measuring cost per click and number of clicks and then number of phone calls that happen inside of Google. So just maybe two or three KPIs that you can quickly reference 
to know if you're on track, if activity is happening, and then that'll kind of give you a good indicator of what's going on. Because if you try to do really, really in-depth, and, and I would say that the caveat there is that the person that is doing the marketing, if you're in a practice and you're going to hire somebody to do marketing for you, that person should be in the ad accounts at least a couple times a week so that they're monitoring everything, making sure something bad isn't happening um, so that you can constantly be improving your results and that something weird isn't happening. Yeah, you're talking a lot about KPIs and ROI and and measuring things and, and different things to look at. And I think of like, somebody has to give me all this information, right? So tell me where, where are all these KPIs coming from? They should be inside of your, your ad platform that you're running the ads from. You could log into Facebook Business Manager, take a quick look at your, your campaigns and just take a look at your cost per click, number of clicks and right. your results there. Yeah. I think, though, that, that extra step is probably something Gone that would prohibit you from doesn't doing happen, it. Exactly. Right? So you can, <laughs> yeah. you can make dashboards. Uh, there's a product called Google Data Studio, which is free. It's kind of like Google Analytics, but it lets you pull in these different KPIs and create a dashboard so that it automatically updates. And instead of having to pull reports and go through and click stuff, right. it's set up. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, I could see that in the background of my computer screen, right? Like, what are those little things that I refresh once a day and kind of look at and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to take just a couple minutes and take a look at this and see what's happening. And and yeah, you're right. Share that information with somebody who's doing my marketing and my practice, right? Exactly. Definitely. Talking about all of this, Brandon, I see how we as managers could just can screw this shit up big time. Like I can tell you already, thinking back to when I was a practice manager, how bad, right, I messed this up. And don't t- tell my sister, who is like a big, huge marketing guru, like that's what she does for a living marketing and advertising are just not it for me. And and I know a lot of my colleagues that say the same thing. We're just, it's just not a strong area for a lot of us practice managers. So what are three common mistakes that you see that we just screw up and get terribly wrong? I think that the number one thing that I see is when practices create either posts or emails or any kind of marketing or promotion materials, but they don't have a specific call to action. And they're just hoping that the client will take the initiative and take some kind of action, or whatever they want, just do something, and that they'll come into the practice. Number one, like 100%. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen emails from from practices when they'd said, hey, I sent out an email blast, you'd be really proud of me. And there's no phone number inside the email, or like no way oh, no. to call. And it's like, well, how are they supposed to do anything? They're going to have right. to go to Google now, and look you up, and then call. They're going to have to be very, very motivated. So I'm be surprised if anybody does that so that that's number one is not having a call to action number two is trying to be too general and trying to appeal to everybody that just makes for extremely boring marketing yeah that's like casting that wide net to see what happens exactly i think yeah i mean even if you can get more specific like if you let's say you want to do something for dog owners let's get even more specific and do something for puppies target marketing kittens right. right yeah and even like you could be the most boring person like i don't think my podcast is interesting at all for example just like to anybody <laughs> other than people that are trying to grow a practice i just talk about marketing right so i don't have to be super entertaining i'm ultra specific <laughs> and so people that own practices right. are like wow it's such a great podcast and i'm like it's to me it's like really boring if you're not in- interested in it because I'm only talking about veterinary hospitals marketing, right? So ultra specific <laughs> is Super interesting, targeted, right? And I'm right. not like a charismatic, like interesting person. So that's how I get around that. So that's I think really important for people to consider too is just don't be afraid of like not appealing to everybody. Try just to go after certain groups of people. So with veterinary medicine, there that's totally possible. You could talk about like dachshunds and the problems that they have, right? And be ultra specific. So that's number two. And then number three is I think that they try to do just too many things at one time. And so they'll either go to a conference or they'll hear something and they're like, okay, we need to do all of this. And in reality, you need to figure out what is the end outcome that we're looking for and what is the best way to get to the outcome. So instead of adding, you know, ads across let's say Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google search, Google Maps, and you're just like going to go crazy to all of these ad platforms. 
really figure out what it is that you really want to do and reverse engineer it so that you can get the best low-hanging fruit that, that you can find with that and what is the best way to do that. So I think that that is definitely something that I see a lot too. Awesome. We always try to say on the show, we want people to basically put stuff into action tomorrow and we record on Friday. So it would probably be either Saturday, probably Monday for most of our, our managers. Sounds like on Monday, everybody should get onto Facebook business manager and set up an ad and run ads. What is one other like really good, just action item that our practice managers should do? As you said, start small, start little. So what could be done on Monday? They've got an ad. What's one other thing that they could do? I think really something that is important that almost nobody does that is just a huge potential is build your email list. That's something that you can own and send out and it's free. Nobody's doing it. I don't know anybody who is sending out emails on a regular basis and doing email marketing. I think that that is just the biggest missed opportunity between email marketing and text message marketing as far as mediums to contact people that, that don't really cost anything. I mean, it's it's a huge missed opportunity. So start building your own list. And anytime you're doing marketing, when and I know a lot of veterinary practices these days are running ads into web forms, and they're collecting email addresses, and those emails are just sitting and not doing anything. So be building the list and actively promote products and services to those those people is the number one thing that would be easy way to be a lot more in control of who's coming in the practice. Brandon, you've given us a ton of gems. I love these little snippets here and there that you've been able to share with us. As we start to wrap up, I want to ask you for a piece of advice. One piece of advice to give to our listeners. What would it be that you could, again, just throw another million-dollar gem in there? What would it be? So I would say that when you're talking to marketing professionals and people that are in the marketing industry especially because there is a high level of perceived complexity to running Google ads or Facebook ads or SEO or, you know, all of these terms that can oftentimes overwhelm people. If somebody is trying to sell you a tactic rather than a result, it's probably not going to go well for you. People that are are good at marketing will say, what is the end goal that we're trying to get to? I've had this happen so many times where people will say, "Um, you know, I just decided to go out and get this product or service because I I really need this specific tactic. And like there's a lot of companies out there that are trying to sell specific tactics and you know like whether it's like geofencing or there's just all kinds of new tactics that pop up. And marketing isn't some kind of magic. It is an actual go back to that. There's no easy button, right? There's no easy button. So we have to really figure out what it is that we actually want to have happen and then what's the easiest way to get to that place. And so we have the the marketing principles that we use of attracting the right kinds of people. Um, how do we segment and and identify the right kinds of people who already want what we have? And then what is the best tactic or strategy to get us to that point? And so I th- I think that a lot of times when when companies are out there trying to sell products or services to veterinary professionals, they're all about the tactic and why it's the best and how it's going to fix all the problems. And that's usually a, a huge red flag. So that's, I'm sure that practice managers get pitched all the time. Of All the time. All that's the right. time. So, yeah. And it's hard to see through that because there's things on here that, like, I'm writing down a list of words I have to go Google later because I don't have any idea what you just said to me. <laughs> So like a geo what? Geofencing. That's my my arch enemy of marketing because like there's these companies that say to practice owners and managers all the time, they're like, hey, we have this unique software where we'll be able to target people that are in the parking lot of your competitors or that are in Petco. And so we can place these geofences, which are like little digital maps for these ads to show up. But the thing is, you have to be in an ad network to show ads. You can't just hijack somebody's phone and they don't ever mention that. So people don't think about that. They just think this cool, really right. intrusive right. tracking software is going to bring you right. the best clients. And it's not going to. So Yeah, it's hard to differentiate the good from the bad if we don't, as practice managers, we just don't speak that language. We don't understand what that is. So that's awesome. Thank you. And I know you don't necessarily work in a practice. I'm sure you work in a ton of a lot of practices, though, right? You work with veterinary practices specific. I would love, love, love to hear 
your favorite story where your eyes popped out of your head like pugs, like jaw hit the ground, were so flabbergasted that this could ever happen. Like you cannot make this shit up story. Can you tell me about it? And and of course, change the names to protect the innocent. But can you tell me about your favorite story that you just seriously cannot make this shit up? So I like to go through and look at the search terms that practices have when they have set up their own ads inside of Google. So Google is a little bit more complicated. The barrier to entry is a little bit higher. And so uh, practices are, I mean, we had this one practice. The the practice owner was so proud because she had set up the, the ads herself. And like, I think that it's awesome that she set up ads and I thought that it was awesome that she got started. So that's a caveat. I don't, if you were interested, go go and try it. But she was bidding for just, she had no idea what she was doing. So she had put her town name as one of the, the broad match keywords inside of her ad group, which meant that anytime somebody searched the, the name of the town, she would come up with their veterinary practice. So she was showing up for things like bail bonds in her town, post office in her town, DMV in her town, and she was spending something like 80% on all of these things. So that kind of stuff happens and there's just crazy amounts of waste inside of that. (laughs) Oh man, I uh, had a situation once where the phone number was wrong on, I don't know what it was, Google or something, maybe even the the calling system and people would call and, you know, ask for a plumber and we're like, no, this is ABC Animal Hospital. <laughs> so that's a reverse issue, but it was because we hadn't maintained the Google My Business number or something like that. And, yep. and it, we just had to get it updated. Well, I'm, I'm sure like she probably got a call for somebody asking for bail bonds. Like that oh, man. would be super weird. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, right. And you'd spend money on that ad. So it's right. like a huge waste. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like all the time too, this happens where people are bidding on their competitors' names and competitor and so you'll have people show up that are thinking they're at the competitors hospital because they searched it and the first thing that came up was the competitor's name. There's a lot of confusion out there. You just want to make sure you're not not doing yeah. that kind of stuff either. Hey, Andrea here. Have you seen our social media pages? Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Brandon, at this part in the show, we are basically close to wrapping up and this is our rapid fire section. Basically, these are these are tough, you know, they're, they're hard hitting questions. But the idea is that you give us a, you know, 30 second or less answer just kind of right off the tip of your tongue first thing that comes to your mind brandon tell me about your most epic failure that has left a lasting impact with ads i think it was back in 2009 i used to do uh, ads for a loan company and i accidentally left the ads on over a weekend and came back to the um, ads having spent about twenty three thousand dollars by accident. That was a big fail. But luckily we got loan deals out of it, so I was okay. Otherwise, I would have been fired for sure. So <laughs> And tell me about your proudest moment. I think was in in vet med and advertising. I when I had first started out my podcast, I didn't have formal consulting put in place, and so I would just help people who would reach out and help them. So I had a practice owner who reached out and they're like, I really need to get ads going. So I helped him set up the ads, not really knowing about it, that he was about a month away from closing. And since he set those ads up, um, he's been growing 20% a month <laughs> since then. I don't, he's, he's doing really well. So, and he said, you know, this completely changed my business. And I couldn't believe it because he, he didn't seem like he was in that position. And so it was pretty cool. And why veterinary medicine? What do you just love about our profession? I love that it's built a lot um, a small business. Um, my, both my parents uh, are general contractors and entrepreneurs. And so they're technicians at the same time as being business owners. And so I see so many similarities between veterinary practice owners that are working on their business and in their business. And so I love helping 
private practices grow because I I really relate to the the culture of that growing growing your own business while working on it. So many of us in veterinary medicine work way too much. Self care. How do you practice self care? How do you decompress? I love to go running and do distance running. So that that's my favorite thing. And how do you balance work and life? And do you experience any work guilt in that balance? Try my best to leave my phone out of my hands when I'm after work. Because if I don't, then I'll continue working. There's always emails. So I just have to actually physically put my phone somewhere else so that I can focus on my kids. And so as a consultant, what keeps you up at night? What stresses you out or things that cause you anxiety in your own personal personal world? I think that... Uh, having clients that don't have the right expectations with with ads really stresses me out and I think it's the the people that are thinking that advertising is going to fix like a magic wand when it it doesn't fix all of those problems that are solved by good management and execution of the services in the practice so I think that's the the biggest stress there and what gets you up and out of bed in the morning what really excites you to start your day I am so I I love doing ads and I love working with the clients that I work with and I'm just really excited to help them grow their business. And so it's kind of it's like playing a video game where you're trying to always improve your your results, improve the returns and continually make improvements across the board with with, with advertising. So always trying to find the, the new thing that's going to help clients get an even better result. Awesome. Well, Brandon, thank you. Thank you thank so you. much for thank coming you, on the podcast. You. This has been fantastic. And fantastic. I hope our listeners really took to heart, you know, turning on ads and how to be responsible around ads and what yes. the expectations are. And as you said, you can't just turn on Facebook, put $5 a day in and then expect yeah. to be a millionaire and you don't ever look at it. You don't ever check it. It's a bad ad. <laughs> it's a yellow yeah. page ad. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This thank has been you, great. Brandon. And make sure to check out Brandon's podcast, the Veterinary Marketing Podcast, available on Apple and Spotify. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate it. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you, good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your You Can't Make This Shit Up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast. And be sure to rate us. Check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. This is Andrea and David signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and their guests only, may not be current, and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed. 